I'm going to make a statement that it's, it's pretty binary for most people. They either don't really like to see things this way or they, they just totally get it and agree is we are fundamentally creatures that emulate one another. As much as you like to say you're creative or you're original or that or the other thing, we are creatures that are genetically hardwired to emulate the people around us. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. All right, what's up, everybody? Once again, welcome to the Mind for Life podcast, where we talk about how you can go deeper in your thoughts, transform them, and ultimately transform your life. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host here today. And we've got a great show. I speak today with Aaron Watson. Aaron hosts and produced the podcast, Going Deep with Aaron Watson, where he interviews writers, entrepreneurs, and innovators about the passions, fears, and problems they have faced in their lives and how they got their start. His show has been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times and features interviews with best-selling authors, visionary entrepreneurs, and many others. I would encourage you to check it out. Go ahead and listen uh, along with other listeners who tune in from more than 120 countries for insights, stories, and wisdom. Aaron also played four years of Division I Ultimate Frisbee at the University of Pittsburgh, winning two national championships and all-region honors. He then went on to captain the Pittsburgh Thunderbirds, which is a top-ranked team in the Midwest Division of the American Ultimate Disc League. He captained them for their two inaugural seasons. We had a great, great interview and a great conversation, and you're going to hear how Aaron got started on his journey to entrepreneurship, what happened when he graduated from college and couldn't find a job, and why he's starting the Going Deep Summit this next year in 2018. And I hope you will take a look at that and maybe join us if you are in and around the Pittsburgh area. I met Aaron through a mutual friend, uh, Zach Slayback. I interviewed Zach for this podcast uh, several months ago, and you can check out that interview, uh, Mind for Life. It's our 18th episode, so you can check that out at mindforlife.org or on your podcast app. But before we get into our interview, let me mention just a couple of things. First of all, I would like to mention our podcast sponsor. It is Bluehost.com. Bluehost is the leading web solutions service provider. They have innovative ways to deliver on their absolute number one mission, empower people like you and me to fully harness the World Wide Web They provide the comprehensive tools for millions of users throughout the world so anyone, novice or pro, can get on the web and thrive. So if you are looking to host a podcast, blog, or website, I would encourage you to check out bluehost.com. There's a link right on our website. Scroll to the bottom of our homepage and you can save big time and get hosting for only $3.95 
cents a month. So check it out at mindforlife.org. Also, I want to encourage you to stick around to the end of this podcast where I share my top learning moments from the time that I had speaking with Aaron. Also, the show notes for this program are available at mindforlife.org slash zero three five. So you can click over there, get the links and access to my top learning moments. Also, you can become a patron, help support this podcast with your kind generosity, starting with as little as $1 a month. Help us cover the cost of producing this program, so head on over to Mind for Life. Click on the Become a Patron link right there at the top of the homepage. And finally, we started our new feature, Five for Friday, where I give a five-minute reflection on a particular topic of interest that will hopefully inspire you to think a little bit deeper and even a little bit differently about the world. So if you didn't get to hear the latest one, check it out. It is the attitude of growth and why having an attitude of growth is so vital and critical. And you can find that on mindforlife.org or on your podcast app. All right, let's go ahead and get right into my interview with Aaron Watson. All right, Aaron, welcome to the program. It's great to have you on, man. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Excellent. Well, do us a favor. I've just read through your bio uh, in the intro, but tell us a little about what you're doing now, what you're involved in, and how you kind of uh, came to be involved in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. So I host a podcast called Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I've done more than 250 interviews, and it's been da- the show has been downloaded in more than 120 countries. I'm going to be honest, Jeff, I don't know how many countries there actually are, <laughs> but I know that one, 120 is a good deal of them. And uh, basically, the, the concept is I started it when I was 23. I am 25 now. And what I was in search of was an answer to the question of, I did everything right. I graduated in college in four years, got the good grades, went to the Career Resource Center, had, by all accounts, a pretty solid resume. And the job options, the career opportunities that were available to me after finishing my undergraduate were not particularly enticing. And I wanted to figure out why is that? What what are the people who have the careers that I aspire to, the, the professional success that a lot of us are interested in, what are they doing or what was what was different about their journey? Was it luck? Was it skill? Was it just natural talent that I might not have access to? What was it? And so over the course of 250 interviews, I've met with all sorts of people, um, technologists, people in the blockchain space, entrepreneurs, writers, nonprofit hero, heroes, um, social entrepreneurs. And over the course of these interviews, I found you know not only that it really is about just patience and hard work and having a distinct vision for yourself, but also very much about how much you are serving others and the network of connections and acquaintances and friends and confidence and mentors that you develop year by year. And so in in service to that lesson that I've learned and trying to kind of perpetuate that as much as possible. I'm hosting an event in Pittsburgh uh, in on January 27th at the Kelly Strayhorn Theater that is kind of centered around that. We have a lineup of speakers, including our mutual friend Zach Slayback um, and a few others that is basically not just about uh, some amazing entrepreneurs who have kind of figured this out and really have 
uh, further wisdom to share, but also the the magic that happens when you get in a room with 250 of other people with that same viewpoint and that same passion, not just for their own ambitious professional successes, but for helping others as well. And, and uh, uh, a community of people that want to serve and, and help others and knowing that that's going to come back around to them. So the main thing is that kind of, I don't necessarily know if you can quantify that as media or entrepreneurship or what it may be, but that is the the main thing I hang my hat on. Okay. So for the audience, just tell a little bit about your college experience. What was your major? What were your expectations coming out? And, you know, what, uh, when you talk about what do you aspire to as far as successful entrepreneurship or whatever? What were you hoping for? What were you looking for? What did you want? And um, I think share that disappointment because that's something that a lot of people are going through, right? Especially, I mean, you live in Pittsburgh and it just came out that, you know, Pittsburgh is one of the best cities right now for giving jobs and employment and stuff like that. So just kind of share your experience there. Yeah, absolutely. So the there's a couple major moments in terms of that. I, I entered college with, I would say, maybe a loose understanding that this is, you're here to set yourself up to get the job after you graduate. Um, and that was, that's kind of the assumption that's embedded in why, you know, parents save and save and save to send their kids to school and why, you know, you, you spend years and years there. But I was, I would say lucky enough, early my sophomore year, I had decided that I was going to study political science because a piece of advice that I got that I would say is uh, not great advice in hindsight is it doesn't matter what you study or what you major in. It, you know, it's not really related to what you end up doing anyways, which in hindsight is like, well, that is kind of a ridiculous notion. We can unpack that later if you want to. But I had a political theory professor who was really good and really funny and, and we were, you know, having these really deep conversations in a, a pretty small classroom, which was really enjoyable. But he basically said, you know, what, what does the political science graduate say at their job every day? And the whole class was like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, do you want fries with that? <laughs> Insinuating that there's not a lot of people, there's not really a market for people with political science degrees when they enter the world of jobs. So I said, well, that seems completely contradictory to the advice that I was giving that it doesn't matter what I major in. And to some degree that is true because you, it's about the connections you have. It's about other marketable skills and your ability to show your work. But I said, you know, I need to figure out something else that's going to make me a little bit more marketable. And with the more political science classes you take, the more you realize that what is driving the decisions of these political leaders is economic decision-making. So I decided to study economics. That was a really valuable education just in terms of the basic concepts of opportunity cost and compounding and the complex interrelated systems that are at work in our lives and, and, and shaping and enforcing our decisions, even if we're not necessarily aware of them. But when I graduated, or I'm sorry, when I got to senior year and I was looking at graduation, you know, going to the career fair and 60% of the companies were looking for engineers. So that immediately crosses me off the list. And these other companies um, are either doing some sort of leadership program where you do a rotation and they are figuring out if they want to keep you and you're figuring out if this is even a job that you could see yourself doing for the next decade or two and on and on down the line. And basically it got down to the jobs in financial advising, which seemed really cool. It seemed like, oh, I, you know, I understand economics. I can, 
I talk to my friends about debt instruments and uh, investing in equities and all this other stuff, you know, I could probably help them that way. And then it turns out that this is very much a sales role and you're basically over incentivized to set right. people up in some questionable financial products. And it was all just like, how did I get here? How did, how did this happen? And it took some hard reflection. It took some, you know, conversations with people I trust and basically the, the core, I don't want to say gripe, but you know, yeah, my parents are getting older, they're approaching retirement and I'd talk to them and their friends and they'd say, you know, if I could go back that I, I wouldn't necessarily do what I did. I'd try to do something more entrepreneurial. So I'm like, well, what is this all about? I don't have, you know, the prototypical entrepreneur, CEO, founder in my family. I had to really go dig and read and research. And it led me down this path and really as much as entrepreneurship is a specific thing. And to many people, they have a, a stereotype of what that looks like. It can take so many different forms. It could be the artist who sculpts and does photography and does paintings. It could be the writer who also does public speaking and advises startups. It could be the, the software as a service um, B2B founder who's just pure coding. It, it can take so many different forms, but that's not necessarily um, what's pushed onto a lot of people despite the talent or the proclivity that they may have for it. And additionally, it is also not always told that it can be a real long, hard slog, but you're chasing a carrot that's pretty spectacular if you can reach it. You are firmly entrenched in, in the millennial generation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was interviewing a guy who wrote a book on leadership and he has spent his career like in some of these big financial companies. Um, and he was talking about the difference between his career and his son and that his son was looking back on his career and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to be a part of that and was moving more into the entrepreneurial, you know, uh, into that realm. Do you think that's something that millennials are looking at and seeing the careers of their parents and maybe looking at how unhappy they were and then saying, listen, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to kind of chart my own path here. And why do you think that is in your generation? Well, I think that's a really complex one that's tough to unpack. I'm going to try to put in a couple parts. First of all, I definitely think there's always a degree of looking at your parents and saying, how can I level up? How can I, you know, take one step above what they've created? And that that's obviously a motivation for me and a lot of my peers. Um, that being said, my parents, you know, I, I greatly, greatly admire my parents for their ability to make the best out of their situations. They were not um, high income families they had to go to college to have the opportunity to get out it wasn't the same amount of debt it, 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 they, they worked their butts off to create a life that a lot of their peers um are really jealous of so it's not necessarily in any way seeing like oh they're unhappy or oh there's a shortcoming there but really what's what's the next level and, and them being honest like my shortcoming was probably that i wasn't particularly entrepreneurial and that that's definitely a part of it and then there's also just a degree of in the instagram snapchat facebook culture um the entrepreneur continuing to rise in prominence as an aspirational figure mm -hmm. um i i feel like 
a decade ago, if you would have asked a lot of my peers, and at that point I would have been, you know, 14 or 15, a lot of people would have said, oh, musician, oh, actor. If you were saying like, what do you want to, what, what's like the amazing job that you might not even necessarily go after because you're afraid or because people have told you you can't, um, but what, like, what's that really glamorous job you could be in? And I don't know if that's the answer anymore. I think a lot more people would say entrepreneur, even though that is a much more amorphous term that doesn't necessarily have as, as rigid of a definition. Um, I, I think that that is really just becoming more a role of cultural prominence and something that's really admired as opposed to previous generations when that was kind of more hidden behind closed doors. There wasn't, there wasn't as much business, you know, John Rockefeller in, in many instances was trying to just kind of stay out of the limelight and, and be private and not be out there. And, and now we have, you know, CEOs giving, Keynote after keynote, you know, Elon Musk is on stage every couple months. You did talking about his new product launch or whatever. That's it's a, it's a very different role than it was in previous generations. Okay, so that's something I'd like to explore because even in my generation, I think you're right in saying that the aspiration was I want to be a rock star, I want to be a movie star, or something like that. Maybe talk a little bit about where you might say that you developed. Um, the aspirations, right? Because like you said, the entrepreneur was not really a sought after role or nobody really said back in my generation, if I could aspire to something, you know, I want to start my own business. Now, why do you think, and what was it in your own life that led you to look at these people and say, you know, that is something that I would aspire to instead of, movie star, actor, rock star, musician, whatever. I'm going to make a statement that it's, it's pretty binary for most people. They either don't really like to see things this way or they, they just totally get it and agree is we are fundamentally creatures that emulate one another. As much as you like to say you're creative or you're original or that or the other thing, we are creatures that are genetically hardwired to emulate the people around us. And so what we really feed off of are looking at, around at everyone else and saying, oh, I like that, oh, I want that, oh, I'm interested in that. And in bad cases, that manifests itself in you know, stealing and robbery and things like that. But in good cases, you have role models, whether directly in your life or maybe more as like an icon. Like I don't know uh, LeBron James, but he is a, a athletic icon for me and many, many, many other people. And so for me, the, the course was a couple entrepreneurs that entered my life. And I basically said like, wow, they're living just a, a different lifestyle than anyone else. They seem to be, for a number of reasons, happy, successful. Um, they're just doing things that I aspire to. One was a guy named, by the name of Henry Thorne. And he was a part of, um, he was actually the kind of main dad in my high school ultimate Frisbee team. He had two sons that played. Um, he was able to always be there for games and take us to tournaments on weekends. And not just that, had a, an infectious energy that, you know, people feed off of. People feed off of the most passionate person in the room. When someone speaks um, with enthusiasm, that's something that people feed off of. And the more I learned about him, the more I realized he was a serial entrepreneur. He had started all these different technology companies. And that was part of the reason that he not only had the flexibility to decide, hey, I'm taking Friday off to drive my boys down to Virginia for a tournament, 
but also the financial means to have the house that we may have had a few parties at and um you know helped you know buy the team dinner after a big win things like that so so that was one instance and there's been countless others as as the years have gone by but i really think you know kind of getting back to the the purpose of the show uh my podcast going deep is telling those stories and having these further role models and icons that can talk about what it's like talk about the hard times not just the easy times and not only knowing what you're getting what you're signing up for when you decide this is a path i want to go down but hopefully finding a few shortcuts you know i, I love the analogy that on, on all topics you can be aware from a, a one to a ten in terms of expertise and knowledge base and you don't need to be a ten at everything but it's really really nice to be a seven instead of a three and mm -hmm. so if someone can help you on a shortcut from seven to three and you can just get a little bit more fluency on the topic um i think that that's really really helpful and that's once again, kind of what I'm, I'm trying to work on. I really like your podcast and the idea of going deeper. And so one of the things that we explore on this podcast is what is the thought process behind why you make the decisions that you do? You know, why is it for you, Aaron, and for a lot of people in this generation that are growing up now that the entrepreneurs are seen as the rock stars and what were the influences on your life? And so for you to talk about that and to share about these mentors and these people that came into your life that were very influential, I think is, is really awesome and insightful. And I think you give um, inspiration, right? That the career path that has traditionally been get a job, become an engineer, work for this company for your whole life, and that you don't have to go down that route and you can do the exploration and you can find your own path and start your own thing. I think that's pretty inspirational. Have you found that to be the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly inspired by the people that I interview. And just in general, I, I think that one of the toughest challenges whenever you're working on a project that you see over a really long time horizon is to not be so focused on the goal at the very end and enjoy the process as well. Um, and so some of my favorite people to draw inspiration from are the fellow people who are in the trenches. Mm -hmm. um, so, so in Pittsburgh, there's a number of people like this, Michelle Flynn, um, Kenny Chen, uh, Zach is, is another person where they're they're on a ride and they're going places. Adam Harrodin is another fantastic example. Um, and, and they're going places. And I, you know, just from seeing the work they're putting in, I can see where they're going. But they also bring so much joy in their day-to-day -day battle to get there. And they are really just so passionate about that. And that's really, as much as, as, much as the people who've made it and they've proven that it's possible are inspirational, I think drawing inspiration from the, the people who are in the trenches are also uh, really important. Okay, so for our younger listeners that are maybe in the same position that you were a couple of years ago, explain what you did. I mean, what was your strategy? How have you kind of maneuvered yourself or what are you trying to do and what's your goal and, and how are you going through that practically in order to accomplish that? And maybe talk about you know, the practical ways that you got involved with the people that you're involved with here in Pittsburgh? How did you find those individuals? How did you get yourself in an environment that is supportive of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the number one 
kind of advantage that you have is ignorance when you're starting out. You don't know how hard it's going to be. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know all the obstacles that have befallen people who've come before you. And that's fantastic. So you, you need when you're starting off, you need to leverage that and just go full steam into it um, and, and fully commit as much as possible. Simultaneously, um, where I, I feel like I had maybe a, a slight natural ability for it had been trained by my mom i don't i don't want to necessarily unpack exactly how is having empathy for the other people who you come into contact with Mm -hmm. and that's not always easy because a lot of the times like when i was starting off at 23 i did not really understand why some 45 year old real estate investor would want to give me the time to listen to me and help me out for an hour over coffee i didn't i didn't really grasp what could possibly be in that for them? And I'm, I'm still slowly learning the intrigue and the appeal of that. But as much as you can have empathy for the people whose time you're asking, whether it's their attention, whether it's their money, whether it's their influence that you're trying to utilize or share or partner with, um, I think is a really big deal. So for the podcast, I reached out to you know, there are people in my life that I wanted to have an hour long conversation with that if there wasn't necessarily always the context to do so. So that was kind of the initial impetus. And then it was the basic sales skills of who else should I be talking to? Who's the most interesting person in your network that you know? Who are the three most interesting people? Um, I know that you know this specific person. Can you make an intro to them for me? And then also just getting into the real world with these people. So there's, there's a a mistake that you can fall into of getting completely sucked into your phone, completely sucked into your email inbox and not getting in the same room with these certain people. So for example, one of what I would count as an early win for me, that's propelled a bunch of other, I'll actually get, this is a perfect stair step approach to leveling up from a career standpoint. I showed up at Thrival 2015. Thrival is a music and innovation festival in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, and I was particularly interested in the innovation side. And so each day the event was at a, it was a four day innovation festival that year. And each day the, it was at a different venue. And everywhere I went, there was this guy named Bobby Zapala, who I found out over the course of the few days was one of the organizers. He also was the CEO of what at that time was called Thrill Mill, which was an accelerator for startups. And I, I showed up every day. And after the last day, after a really good keynote by Andrew Yang of Venture for America, I just went over to Bobby and said, hey, my name's Aaron Watson. Um, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I've seen you here around every single day. It's like, what's up, man? Uh, I have a podcast. I'd love to just interview you about how you ended up here. And uh, it took a couple months, but we got scheduled. We talked about how he was a former lawyer um, and how he was, it was doing all this kind of startup entrepreneurial stuff in the city now, how his festival grew from a little concert in a gravel lot to now it's at the Cary Furnaces. Mm. It's this massive, uh, over 10,000 people come. It's, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge deal. And at the end of that, I just said, you know, one day I'd love to someday be involved in the thrival innovation side of things. That led to having a panel the following year about podcasting. This year, I moderated a panel about blockchain technology. And, you know, there's other things that contributed to that. But it was just starting with getting into the same room 
as the people that you wanted to to be around. And not even, I mean, quite frankly, when I started, I didn't know who he was. The right. first day of Bible, I didn't even know who that was. And it ended up, he ended up being a very important person for getting my name out there to more people in the Pittsburgh community and having the opportunity to talk to other people that I found really, really interesting. And so that just kind of comes back to show up, get out there. Like it, it, it's so cliche, but you know, Woody Allen, 80% of success is just showing up. Right. And if you can wrap your mind around that and, and when I say show up, it doesn't mean just get in the room and then sit there quietly, you know, be active, listen, find, yeah, at least try to be in search of ways you can provide value for others. And that really is what opens the door for more. Are you an outgoing person naturally? Um, yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah. Because you know, it's interesting that you say that a lot of people think that in this digital environment, we just need to make the connections with our phones or email and stuff like that. But you're talking about a very interpersonal um, approach. You get out, you meet somebody, you show up, you be there for a couple of days, you are interested in what's going on. Then you finally walk up to someone and say, hey, how can I help out? Is there something I can do? And you never know. And you're talking about really serving other people first rather than trying to be served or trying to get something from somebody. So I think that's pretty cool. Is that, you know, when you look back, was that the very first, like, was that your first thing? And did you have a strategy for that? Or did you just say, hey, I'm going to show up at this thing and who knows what's going to happen? And these things kind of just like open themselves up, the path opened up before you. Yeah, I would love to say I had this master plan that everything was all, the stars were aligned and I just had to go execute on it. Quite frankly, I was trying to just be ready to adapt and react to what was thrown in front of me. Um, I knew that I wanted to meet more people in the Pittsburgh startup community. I knew that I was going to be consistently producing episodes, two episodes per week, and the consistency would make me a better interviewer, it'd make me a better communicator, and it would lead to me really rapidly expanding my network. But I didn't necessarily know on a micro level how that would manifest itself. I didn't know that that would end up interviewing each of the people running the major accelerators and incubators in Pittsburgh. I didn't know that it would lead to me getting to speak to some of my favorite authors. I didn't know that that's exactly how it would manifest itself, but I knew that I needed to show up and not just rely on sending 10,000 emails. Right. One of the things that I always ask everybody on this podcast is what for you, Aaron, you're 25. Did you say 25? Mm-hmm. Um, you're just at the beginning, man. You've got a long way to go. But what it what does success look like for you when you have to define it for yourself? What is success? Success for me is impacting other people. Like every, every time someone says that they love listening to my podcast, every time someone says that they're excited about the Going Deep Summit this January, anytime, you know, in the past it was uh, someone got into Ultimate Frisbee or learned a new skill because of my coaching or something like that. That is as, as much as I can scale that is the greatest success for me because there's a, I, I used to be really worried about money and making a certain amount of money. And what I, 
actually Adam Harridan, who's going to be speaking at, at, a, at the summit in January, he's really, really deeply in touch with nature and these different naturalist movements that are happening. And the more I just kind of hear him speak about how he sees the world working, the more you realize that if you're someone who is just genuinely, authentically providing value to other people, you're going to be okay. Like the, like the people that always help others, that always are looking out for their fellow person, nature has a way of making sure those people are okay. And if you can, you can kind of just basically have faith in the system working that way, um, it, it's a really beautiful thing. And that's, that's a little hokey. That's a little, I, I, if I had heard myself saying that two or three years ago, I'd been like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> but it's just crazy how often, you know, if you show up, if you are serving others, things tend to work out. Yeah, there's a quote that I've used before and I've heard, fortune favors the bold. And the more you are willing to step out of your maybe comfort zones and do things for other people, uh, it seems like, you know, the universe kind of comes behind you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love fortune favors the bold. I actually say that a lot. Nice. Um well, we're really excited about your conference, man. So just tell a little bit, of how did that get started? How did you decide? Hey, that's a big undertaking, right? To say, after two years of doing this stuff, I'm going to start a conference. Just talk a little bit about how you got going on that, how you got started, some of the practical things. Is this the first year or did you have it before? Uh, this is the first year, and it's really inspired by events like Thrival. I've been to South by Southwest, uh, the Digital Life Design Conference, Advertising Week, all these other places where it just seems like all these smart people, everyone comes out of the woodwork, everyone hits pause or stops what they're doing to show up and get in the same room, and, and whether that's connections or breakthroughs just in terms of ideas or concepts or whatever it may be, um, that was I, I genuinely love it. I love being a part of it. And at the same time, you know, what, what led me to the podcast was I was listening to, you know, podcasts as I was walking to class, walking back um, hours and hours a day at the gym, whatever. And I started to feel like, oh, I would do it a little differently. Like I actually kind of want something more like this. And that was basically the same thing was happening with these events. I was like, oh, this is cool. I would steal that idea or I would, I like their one thing that they're doing here, but I don't like this. So basically I'm, I'm really to some degree just scratching my own itch and trying to solve for a problem um, that, that I see out there. And then to briefly go over that, cause I don't want to bore people with the details of running an event, but um, I'm not a huge fan of panels unless everyone on there is really good and has some genuine chemistry. So the, only panel that we're going to have is going to be with people from 068, which is a local incubator that is dedicated to helping previously convicted felons who have uh, left uh, incarceration mm -hmm. reintegrate into society through helping getting them jobs with mm -hmm. local startups. So the concept there is someone who's you know been has something on their record, struggles to find work. If they do, the pay is terrible, and they're, it, it's often a very, very low status position. Entrepreneurs have the problem of a very limited budget, but needing access to above average talent. You can't just have anyone work at your startup and expect to succeed. So by bringing those two people together, you prove that someone with a previous conviction on the record can still be a contributing valuable member of society. You lower the recidivism rate by getting them a job and giving them purpose and meaning in their day-to-day -day work. And the entrepreneur gets access to talent at 
a price that they can actually handle and they've employed more than 150 people. So we're going to have the founder of that. We're going to have an entrepreneur in the program. We're going to have someone who came out and got a job and we're going to kind of paint this well-rounded picture, but they all know each other. They can play off each other and it's still kind of one unified story. It's not six people up on stage competing for attention and milking every ounce of their turn with the right. mic because they know they only have one more um, and, and them all serving the same purpose. Otherwise it's going to be people who are phenomenally talented. We talked about Zach. We talked about Adam Harridan. We talked about, we're going to talk about uh, Leah Lizarondo of 412 Food Rescue and these people who really are making it happen. They are building businesses. They are entrepreneurial and they're going to talk about, the mission that's driving them and how, you know, these themes of connection and having a network and serendipity have contributed to their own success and hopefully just continue to share the wisdom of what's made that possible for them. And then hopefully some lessons can be taken away by others and businesses will be born or evolve to a new level by, uh, by being there. Well, it's very exciting and especially, you know, in the past, Pittsburgh has got a bad rap for a lot of young people leaving the city, right, going to find opportunity somewhere else. So to be able to see um, people like you and people that you're talking about coming to your event there that are doing something in the city, that are making things happen, I think that's really exciting. Um, let me ask, I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot. You've done how many, 250 some podcasts? Yeah, I think 250. Five at the point we're recording now. Okay. What was your best interview? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I can. Oh, that's a tough one, man. Um, let me think here. I, don't, I can't say there's like a number one. Like who was the most interesting person that you would say, this guy was awesome. I loved it. Or this girl was wonderful. Okay. Can I, can I do two? You can do two. So Noah Kagan um, is the founder of AppSumo. He was the number 30 employee at Facebook. And he is, I just think, very, very authentically himself. He's a weird, he's kind of a geek, he's, he's wonky, but he's authentically himself. And I had all these questions prepared and he completely threw me a loop because he had obviously done his preparation well and wanted to spend the first five to 10 minutes talking about um, me teaching him how to play ultimate frisbee like he wants me to come down to austin and teach him how to play so i'm gonna nice. i'm gonna end up doing that at some point but that was that was really fun in the way that he just made it his own and probably saved me from asking him the canned questions that he right. gets every single time he's interviewed um and then the other one actually happened pretty recently i was in san francisco and i went to the home of uh now investor formerly this, the founding CEO of Veritas Software, which is one of the companies that, I mean, unless you are really into like the tech scene, um, you wouldn't necessarily know, but they grew to over a billion dollars when they went public. He took them from zero to a billion wow. in, in value in just about 10 years. And he was so humble, once again, just so authentically himself. And maybe there's always a chicken and the egg problem, right? With someone who's made it because both Noah and, and Mark really fit that bill, but their authenticity is that a byproduct of the fact that they've made it and they don't have any, any sort of hangups or was that part of what made it so possible for that? I tend to think it's the latter. I tend to think that that authenticity is what contributed to the success that they found, because that seems to be a common theme with the people that I've interviewed. Um, but, but, 
both of those for me were really validating and, and just in reflecting, even now I'm just kind of thinking like, I need to continue to just really hammer in on my message and my vision and, and my kind of authentic take on things and having faith and trusting that that is what's going to continue to bring success to my work. Awesome. Um, so just for the audience, tell us a little bit about where they can find you online, how we can register for your event and uh, where you are on Facebook or Twitter and all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So on both Twitter and Instagram, I am at Aaron Watson 59. Um, the event and my website is going deep with Aaron.com. If they go to going deep with Aaron.com slash event, they're going to find information about the speakers, the date, all the all the basics of the event. Um, and I really would love to see them at the Going Deep Summit, so much so that I have a code. Uh, if they put in Mind for Life as a coupon code, when they register, they're going to get $15 off the nice. tickets. And uh, in, in general, uh, one of the things, you know, it's so hard for me to pick a top episode of the podcast. If they go to goingdeepwithaaron.com slash top, I have a few of them listed there. But what I'm really actively doing is if someone comes to me and say, you know, I'm really interested in blockchain technology or I'm really interested in trying to write a book, I'll, I, I'll make specific recommendations for them within my podcast ecosystem because no one wants to scroll through 250 episodes. Let's just right. be honest here. Um, so I'm more than happy whether they reach out to me on Twitter or my contact form or whatever it may be. If they want to get a specific recommendation of a podcast episode just for them, because they have not gotten enough here with you and me talking, Jeff, um, I'm more than happy to do so. Well, great. Hey, you are incredibly inspirational. I think you, uh, you know, there's a lot of older people that look at the younger generation and say, what in the world is coming up? But when uh, we see people like you that are really wanting to do something to give back, it's, uh, it's a great hope for the future of our nation and for this country. And so I just want to thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on, man. You've been incredible. And uh, I've enjoyed talking to you. Jeff, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate you giving me the time and the platform to share my message. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. All right. What a great, great interview. And if that wasn't inspiring to you, it was such an inspiring interview for me to talk with Aaron. And I want to just share my top learning moments from the time that I had speaking with him. Number one, I learned this. Sometimes when things don't work out the way you expected, you need to take a deeper look and begin to move in a different direction. Aaron shared his story about things not working out the way he expected when he graduated from college, and because of the circumstances that he faced, he decided to go in a different direction. And we can all learn that same lesson. If circumstances don't go our way in life, it's easy to get discouraged and think that we have failed, uh, but the best outcome is to begin moving in a different direction to find out where you want to go and get busy moving forward. And so that's the first lesson I learned. And the second one is this. We need to examine our preconceptions and stereotypes. We all have stereotypes about different races, genders, age groups, nationalities, and stereotypes are helpful in a sense that they allow us to make sense of things that we don't always understand. They give us an entrance, but they're also difficult and can be very negative when they force us to categorize people according to their group. 
the millennial generation has been given a certain stereotype. But that doesn't allow us to generalize every individual into that stereotype. There are many millennials like Aaron who care about helping others and who are out there to make a difference in the world. Sure, millennials have certain characteristics that have defined them, but so have other generations and races and nationalities and genders. And we can't just characterize everyone by generalities. We need to look with positive glasses at everyone rather than with criticism or stereotyping. As it says in the Holy Scriptures, and this is a principle that I like to apply to my own life, pull the log out of your own eye before you go looking for specks in someone else's. Rather than criticizing others, it's probably best that we go searching for the logs we each have ourselves. And there are people of all nationalities, of all generations, of all races, and all genders that are doing wonderful, amazing things. And I want to encourage you to open up your eyes and see the good in other people. And I appreciate Aaron so much for what he's doing for his podcast and especially for his Going Deep Summit. And so I want to encourage you to take a look at that. And if you like, again, you can type in Mind for Life as a discount code in purchasing your tickets for that event. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our time together today. And I hope this podcast has been informative and helpful to you. Remember, the show notes are at mindforlife.org slash 035. You can leave your comments and suggestions on how we can make this podcast better. Also, please subscribe on iTunes. And if you get a chance, leave a review while you're there. Thanks again so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm